Hey, business besties. Welcome back to the Female Founder World Podcast. I'm Jasmine Garnsworthy. I'm the host of the show and the creator of the Female Founder World Universe. It is so much fun to chat with you. We've got a bonus episode today. It's an extra episode as part of this business bestie diaries that we're going to be rolling out a little bit ad hoc, but whenever I find someone interesting to talk to, this is a little bit of a shorter episode where we speak to folks who are in the first year-ish of business. They're doing something really interesting. They're getting a lot of traction and they are bootstrapping. I'm really curious to figure out how these people are affording to start businesses, if they're able to pay themselves, what they did to get their first customers and how they're thinking about the business now that they have got some traction and they're moving into kind of that next stage of growing their companies. I hope you enjoy this show. I'm speaking with Elle Kiffer. She's the founder of a business called Fold Up. They're an Australian yoga mat business, but then more than that, she has created this really clever foldable yoga mat, which is what they're most well-known for, but they're rolling out a bunch of new products. They've got some very cool partnerships coming up. I'm going to let Elle tell you her story in her own words. But before we get into the show, I want to remind you about Female Founder World Summit happening on the 9th of December. This is our big end of year celebration for our community in New York. We have speakers like the founders of Little Words Project, Soul Cycle, the news at Avrani Poppy, which is one of the fastest growing beverage companies in the entire US. We're going to have a bar. We'll have a DJ. It is going to be such a good day. It's on a Saturday. So if you're working in your other job and you've got your side hustle, this is for you. We have made this super accessible. I pop tickets in the show notes if you want to secure your spot. Okay, let's get on to the chat with Elle. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Welcome to Female Founder World. It's so good to have you on the show. Thanks, Jasmine. So excited to be here. For people who don't know what you're doing at Fold Up, you're a little over a year in. What are you guys building? Yeah, so we are revolutionizing the way that you move. We're all about creating functional, comfortable, and more convenient products to support your movement rituals, whatever that okay. looks like. Love that. And if people went to your website right now, like what would they buy? Yeah, so we have two products. Our main product is the foldable movement mat. It's designed for all kinds of movement. It folds into a really compact, lightweight square. Uh, and then the second product is the backpack. So you can fit the mat in your backpack. And as someone that lives in New York, I'm sure you've seen lots of people walking the streets with their yeah. big, bulky, rolled up mats. So we're sort of creating or a solution for that. Or on City Bike. It's like or on that, cycling yeah. to and from. I've done uh, to and from the yoga studio. I've done that before. Have you got one of those products where when I first saw it, I was like, this is so smart. It's one of those things that you just like can't believe you didn't think of yourself. And I feel like I totally. talked to a lot of founders where I'm like, ah, should have thought of that. That's such a smart yeah. idea. But a, fold, a yoga mat that folds instead of rolls is like, duh, obvious. Of course you should. I know. It's, um, everyone has the same reaction as well. Like, oh my God, that's so smart. Like, why didn't totally. that? Totally. <laughs> it is smart. Exist. Where were you at? Like, I I, I want to get a bit of a feel for, you know, starting a business is super expensive, particularly if you have like a physical product. And yep. a lot of people feel really risk adverse about jumping into it or they're kind of in their first year and they're looking at people five or 10 years in and they're like, I'm nowhere near that amount of revenue. Like, am I doing the right thing? Is this normal? So that's why I want to speak to yeah. some people who are kind of like earlier on in their story to be like, this is what it's actually like in the first year. 
Can you talk to me about where you're at when you took the leap into starting the business and how you kind of funded things and got everything going? So I started working on the business around December 2021 and I had the idea while I was working full-time in a marketing role. So I obviously wanted to keep that job while I was building a business because there was no way I would have been able to do it otherwise. But yeah, had the idea and sort of worked on the business after hours or on the weekends whenever I could. Uh, I've always wanted to have my own business. And when I had the idea for the product, I thought it was perfect. It sort of combined my skills. I'm a yoga teacher as well. Um, and then also I was working in marketing. So I thought the two sort of meshed really well. Perfect. It's definitely challenging. You know, my first thoughts were, how much is it going to cost me? What does that look like? How can I make it work? I did have some savings that I used for my first order and sort of getting the business off the ground, but it's a massive risk. And I definitely needed more money than I initially thought. I was a bit naive going into it as we probably all are. Mm. A product-based business, you have MOQs that you aren't aware of, or I wasn't aware of. Um, you don't have negotiating or bargaining power with your manufacturers. Like you're so new to this whole process. So there's a lot that I learned on the go. And I just really use my resources and friends that, that have done this before to get as much help as I can, but I have not done it in a perfect process at all. I don't think that exists really. No, I don't think it does either. And just to be super clear, like you, you know, don't have an, you haven't started another business before this. Like this is your first business that you, you know, you're learning on the go in this role. Yeah. 100%. So yeah, I yeah, think that's important exactly. for people to know as well. Yeah. And so when you first started, you were working a full-time job, you were using money from your savings to get going. Did you like quit your job after launch? Was there like a revenue milestone that you hit? Like when did you decide this is it? I'm going all in. Yeah. I can be very impulsive <laughs> and I probably quit my job earlier than I should have. I quit my job about one month into launching. Mm -hmm. I just was like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to give it a crack. I want to, yeah, just give it a go. Essentially. I, like I said, I had some savings that I was able to sort of live off. I was living in Melbourne at the time. My rent was super cheap. I was in a really good position to do it. I don't have kids. I didn't have sort of external expenses. So I thought if I'm not going to do it now, when I had a partner at the time so that sort of worked out but in hindsight like it would have been nicer to maybe have that income because I obviously wasn't paying myself from the business I did give myself 12 months to pay myself a salary or like within those 12 months to be able to pay myself a salary from the business before I thought about getting another job and I was able to pay myself from about nine months, not a Amazing. huge salary, but something. So that definitely took the pressure off. Um, it's really hard when you're working on the business around the clock and you're not seeing that money come into your bank account. Mm -hmm. I definitely started to like resent the business a little bit, which I know in reality, some people don't pay themselves for years, but that was like a real goal of mine to be able to do that even a, a small amount. I think that's such an important thing to talk about. Honestly, like a lot of founders that I speak to, even who have like big venture back companies, they're paying themselves such a small amount and or mm. they're not paying themselves at all and they're taking on other work. Like it's really normal in those early years yeah. of getting something off the ground to have other sources of income. So being able to pay yourself literally anything at nine months, honestly, is amazing. Yeah, totally. And I'm super proud of it. How did you come to the decision that you're like, okay, at nine months, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start taking some money out? Yeah, so I brought on a business advisor about at this time and straight off the bat, he was like, we're just going to put this in the budget. Like, we're just going to make mm -hmm. it work. You need to to pay yourself out of the business. 
it's a tax write-off, you know, got cash in the bank, let's just mm-hmm. do it. So that was sort of the, and he sort of helped me see money in the business in a different way. I was very like attached to the number and, you know, felt like it was my money and every financial decision felt like this very heavy, serious thing. But uh, yeah, I've sort of had to change my relationship to money in a way, if that makes sense. I mean, it is. It's such a like a thing to get your head around. I also have this sometimes in my own business and it's something that I've had to work on this year as well, where it's like, the money from the business isn't isn't my money, but I should be able to pay myself X. But then outside of that, like that is the business's money that's going back into certain things, into growth, into paying people. I remember the first time I kind of like brought someone on in like a part-time capacity to like be an ongoing support to the business. I was like, yeah. oof, like this feels like it's directly out of my pocket, but you just have to it totally does. reframe that mindset. Yeah, 100%. It is definitely a mindset shift. In the early days, what were some of the big expenses that you had? Like, you know, that launch money that you that you put aside into getting this off the ground? Like, where did the money go? Yeah, so the biggest expense was definitely the stock. I had pretty high MOQs for my first order. And um, if people don't know what MOQs is, that just means like the minimum order quantity of like your suppliers. They'll say lots of suppliers will have like 10,000 units as a minimum for some of the big yeah. ones. And especially for like your first order when mm-hmm. they obviously don't, you don't have that relationship. So totally. yeah, they don't know anything my, about you. They don't trust you. No, <laughs> exactly. And I don't trust that, you know, it's like a yeah, two way, yeah. two way relationship, but yeah, my MOQs were super high. And then I probably didn't shop around for uh, freight quotes. So I sort of went with the first quote, which is never a good idea. So that was super expensive. Um, and I remember when my stock arrived and I had to pay that invoice. I was like, holy shit, like Mm. there's so much money on just like getting the product here. So that was a hard pill to swallow, but that was probably my my biggest expense. And I definitely wanted to set things up properly. Like I wanted the photo shoot and the videography and all of that. And I use my resources as much as I can. I use friends for the photo shoot. I had a friend do the videography. Like I, I did pull my network, but these things still cost money to set everything up the way that I wanted to. So... I do think that's such a good thing to prioritize though, because you can't, I don't know, especially if you want to go down the route of working with retailers or brand partnerships Mm -hmm. or whatever, like they don't have a lot to go on except for like a cool product, you as the founder, and then your brand is existing on the internet. So like, how are you representing not just like where you are now, but aspirationally where you want to be? Exactly. And like, I always get comments on my photography. Like I, I didn't do it personally, but just, you know, the way the photos look and I still use some of the photos from my first shoot. I've had two shoots mm. now and they really do last a while. Definitely You've been doing this for a little over a year. What are some of the things that have really helped to get traction? So when you think about like sales through your website, you know, you are a small business, you're scrappy, you're doing this yourself. I think yeah. that anyone at any stage of business though can learn from folks who are like really trying to hustle because the marketing landscape shifts all the time and has shifted so much. So what are some of the things that you're doing right now that are like cutting through, generating sales, like building momentum? Yeah, I think because I have quite a unique product and uh, it, it is quite like a visual product, like you need to see it. I've focused a lot on UGC and gifting products so we had like a big gifting strategy where we would gift you know yoga teachers pilates instructors Mm. people in the the health and wellness area that's really helped get the product out there and then showing the how the product works through that video content it's like a really hard product to just photograph 
like if you see it on a shelf or you see it in a photo, you're like, what is that? And that's mm. often the feedback I get. Like they see this square and they're like, what is that? It doesn't make sense because it's not what we think when we think of a yoga mat. So yeah, definitely gifting. Um, we have been doing ads probably a little, we started probably a little too early. We started sort of two months in, which I found wasn't helpful as a small brand. And that's definitely a lesson I learned the hard way. You know, you wasted mm. money on, on ads. You think that that's that what too. you're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. And yeah there's a lot of noise like you hear what other brands are doing and and you sort of feel like you've got to do it all and I think it's worth trying different things but when you're spending a lot of money on ads as a small business with a small budget it's it's a challenge it's also like you're hearing from a lot of founders in I mean like we feature a lot of founders who are bootstrapped but also ones that have raised money and like the folks who have raised money they've got different goals and they're on a different trajectory or like even folks who are just further along like they're talking about you know, big paid ad spends and yeah. they've maybe been in business for years. They have heaps of data that they can use yeah. to help reduce the those um, acquisition costs through paid channels. And it's yeah. the same thing about what you're talking about, like with paying yourself, like if you're a bootstrap business and this is, this is your thing that you're committing to for years, like you need to figure out a way to pay yourself. You don't want to just constantly reinvest in the business just because that's what like these big startups are doing where they're like going to be in it for five years and then sell like that might not be the trajectory that you're on anyway little tangent okay so you you did paid ads didn't work super well in the beginning are you still doing it now um we've picked them up again and they're doing really well now we have a lot more data we have a lot more understanding about who our customer is what they're looking for how to target them so definitely working on that tiktok is something that I have this like love hate relationship with. I so see the benefit of it. I just have not mastered the strategy yet. So that's on my like end of 2023, early 2024 to do list because yeah, I really want to build like a strong community. And we sort of have started doing that through Instagram and through emails. We've done some events, but I just think TikTok is, is just where it's at for sure. Are you using an agency for ads or or have you like brought it in house? Have you learned how to do it yourself? Yeah. I had this battle of like, okay, I'm going to do, there was like a few courses that kept popping up. Like I'm going to do it. I'm going to learn. The reality is I don't, I don't enjoy it. (laughs) I don't enjoy it. I don't understand it. I'm sure I could if I spent the time. I have so much on my plate that I'm like, that is the thing I'm going to delegate. I have got a freelancer working with me. She's amazing. Uh, I know it's not in everyone's budget to be able to do that. But again, I sort of prioritize that. I'm not spending a heap of money on ads, but for now it's, it's working well for us. I know that you guys are also in some retailers. How has that Mm. strategy come about? And like, where are you thinking about where that's going? Yeah. So I haven't spent too much time on the wholesale, like investing time in the wholesale journey, but we've naturally and organically had a bunch of interest, which is really cool. So uh, LinkedIn's been amazing for us. We post on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. We've had, Mm. yeah, yeah some amazing collaborations with brands. So we've recently launched like our custom by fold up so we can actually brand the mats with the brand's logo. So that actually started our second month in, we got an email from Mecca. So we did a big collaboration with them and Facetune. Um, Which is like a huge beauty chain in Australia, by the way, for the US listeners, that's a big deal. Yeah, it was super exciting. Like I was such a young business. I thought it was a joke initially. So that was where I had the idea like, okay, well, this is obviously a product that, you know, we could, have or partner with brands and use for events and so that was the start of it um, and then I sort of have reached out to to some retailers didn't really get much I've found that when people have come to me it's sort of 
flourished a lot quicker. We're about to launch on a really big Australian retailer. I can't say it yet, but we've signed a contract last week. So that's really exciting. Thank you. So yeah, sort of just dabbling in that in that world. But I really would like to to get the product more into more people's hands and, and more available. And also you're in like yoga and Pilates studios and that kind of thing as well, yeah. right? Yeah, a lot of Pilates studios use the mats as their studio mats, which is really awesome. So there's sort of a few functions and benefits of the mat, one of them being they have extra support. So And you can fold the mat for double or triple the support. So for people with sore knees or, I mean, Mm. I feel like we all feel uncomfortable when we're on our hands and knees on a regular mat. So that's been a real um, selling point for us. Okay, really, really smart. Okay, I want to um, keep talking about the retail strategy a little bit because uh, something that, I don't know, people are talking about in the community a lot is this tension between like, do you go after a lot of independent small boutiques or do you go after the really big ones? Is it something that when you look at the space, is it something where you're like, okay, I want to focus all of our energy into getting into like those big, big box Mm. retailers, the top tier, or are you also open to like, getting lots of the smaller ones. How do you think about that? Yeah, I've had this internal battle myself. I think when I initially launched the business, I was like, no, I only want to be in like reputable, big, you know, well-known retailers. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I did a life and style trade show for retailers. So they come and buy products for their stores. And I was just like, there's so many amazing small boutique stores that I would love to have my products in. And and I think I was a little bit narrow-minded in thinking like, I have to get into these big stores. You want the product everywhere. Like you want the exposure, you want people to be able to get their hands on it. And that isn't just through the bigger stores. A lot of people love to support local and they'll only shop at their, you know, local boutiques or smaller retailers. So I've definitely changed my mindset on that. And we do have our products in lots of smaller boutiques. Of course, it's beneficial to have them in the big ones as well so yeah we're definitely focusing on both how do you go about getting those smaller boutiques like in the u.s we have these platforms called like bulletin and abound and fair which are like b2b basically yeah. small businesses can like work with indie retailers it's great what what do you do are you waiting for inbound or do you have like you know a hit list that you find brands through instagram like what are you thinking yeah I, i'm actually on fair i met i heard about fair when i was at the trade show hasn't been super successful for us, but it's Mm. definitely good to just like have it on there. And obviously you get eyes on the business, but yeah, I definitely have like a hit list that I'll reach out to. Instagram's been really good for us. Studios find us through Instagram. We'll then reach out to them from their LinkedIn. Like I said, um, the trade show was good just to get eyes on the brand. It's a huge investment. I actually Mm. won a scholarship, so I I didn't have to pay for it, which was amazing. Hold on, when did you win the scholarship and how did you do that? That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so Life and Style does a scholarship every year for their trade shows. So I literally just applied, you talk about your business, why you want to go, what's special about your brand, all of that. So yeah, I think a stall is about eight grand. So it saved me a lot of money. I got some business coaching and mentoring through that. So yeah, it was super, super lucky. That was in Feb, so about four or five months after I launched, which was exciting. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. I'm going to look that up and also link it in the show notes in case, yeah, in case anyone's like, I'm going to apply for next year um, because yeah. you should, someone's going to win it. 100%. Okay. I want to know what a really big win has been for you. You mentioned Mecca. I'm sure that was a huge mm. win in the early days. Being able to pay yourself nine months in, that's pretty good too. What are some other yeah. wins that you've had along the way in the first year? Oh yeah. The Mecca one was definitely up there. I think Bringing on my business advisor has been life-changing. It's given me structure and 
I don't know if purpose is the right word, but just like, yeah, a real solid structure to the business and it makes it feel like this can be something and having someone who has built and sold other businesses come into the business and tell me that, you know, he sees potential, like is really encouraging. Like it's such an isolating role or position when you have your own business. Like I'm sure people can relate to that. It is just an absolute roller coaster. So for someone externally to come in and and believe in the product and the brand and, and help me grow and, you know, with my vision. So we've got a few really, really exciting things happening at the moment. I've got a partnership licensing deal that we've signed. Again, I can't talk too much about it, but this brand is going to help sell my product globally. So they've got work with about 40 or 50 global retailers. So there's a lot happening at the moment, which yeah, probably that's the biggest milestone. Amazing. Okay. Talk to me about the advisor. Is this like an arrangement where you pay someone in like a consulting kind of capacity? Are they an investor in the business? Like what's the arrangement and what kind of lessons do you have from folks who are kind of like, yeah, I want an advisor. That sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. I have wanted someone like this in the business for so long, but I haven't had the money to invest in it. And I haven't met the right person that I felt like I wanted to do that with. And, you know, there's so many business coaches and mentors and things online, and it's really hard to like cut through the noise of who is right for you. I think that it's such also, a who's legit. Personal... There's some scammy and who's legit, folks out exactly. there. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. there's definitely no, some I'll scammy say it. I'll say it. coaches out there. So I definitely was just like almost steering clear of that because I was like, I don't actually know who to trust. Like social mm-hmm. media is just a hole. I met him through someone I met on LinkedIn. Like again, LinkedIn has been amazing for networking. Uh, I don't think I really understood the importance of networking until I launched the business, but he, yeah, I met him through someone on LinkedIn. I pay him a monthly advisory fee. The plan, I own 100% of the business, but the plan was sort of, let's try work together for six to 12 months. I'll pay you a monthly fee. And then we can talk about whether I need investment, what that looks like, if he wants to invest, if we work well together. I think I always wanted to keep 100% of the business, but I think seeing what he's been able to do with me and the business in the last few months, I see the benefit of having someone invested not even from a financial perspective, but like if they're invested financially, then they're also invested emotionally. It's like, yeah, so I sort of see what we could potentially do together. So that's sort of where I'm at with that now. Totally. I think that's really smart. But like you said, once somebody has equity or they're like bought in in that way, they just like go that extra mile. 100%. No, they yeah. feel like they're just super bought in. It makes sense. Yeah. Are you, how are you funding the business now? Are you bootstrapped in the beginning? Are you still fully bootstrapped? Yeah, still bootstrapped. We are just treading above water. Yeah. (laughs) But cash flow is just a constant, constant struggle. It really is. How have you learned how to like manage all of that? This is something where I think particularly folks who come to this from like, I've got an amazing product idea. I'm a marketing person. Like I can sell this, but maybe they don't have, you know, an MBA or they don't necessarily have like accounting experience or finance experience. How have you learned to manage all of this and who have you like pulled in to help you? My accountant has been amazing. Definitely get a good accountant. I still am learning about the financials of the business and like Mm. forecasting and budgeting and, you know, costs and like this guy has taught me a lot. I now have his bookkeeper as well who's been helping with my books, everything was a mess before he came in, mm. full transparency. Like, And there's so many decisions that like when you order stock and how much stock you have on hand, 
but I didn't know the importance of the timing of everything and like when you're paying your invoices. And so just understanding the fundamentals of your own financials is so important. So I would definitely what, recommend. Hold on, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. What is yeah. the importance of like when you pay your invoices or like when you order? Well, stuff? I guess like having cash in the business is so crucial. So if you're sort of just paying your invoices as early as possible, then you don't have cash in the business. Whereas if the invoices are due, you know, in 30 days and you can keep that cash in the business and sort of use it for whatever it is that you need, I just think it 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 can delay some of the expenses that you have. You know, I used to just pay everyone's invoice like on the day, but right. reality, like, I, I want to get this do done that. and yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and so yeah. then I just never have cash and it's like, no, I can sort of spread it out, wait for the sales to come in. Like for example, Black Friday at the moment, we're doing really well, we've got cash coming in, I'm holding onto it for as long as I can until I have to pay those invoices as opposed to just okay. like paying them all, never having cash. <laughs> Super smart, love to hear all of that. What are your goals for the business now? You're, you're a little over a year in, I've said that a few times, but you're very much in the early days, things are going well. How do you now like turn it up a gear and take things to the next level? Yeah. I'm assuming so, that's even what you want to do, right? That you want to yeah. continue making this bigger. Yeah. I do. And I, I've wanted to launch new products this year. It was my goal mm-hmm. to launch new products this year, but it hasn't happened. I actually went to China a few weeks ago for a bit of like a research trip to meet my factories and all of that. So the plan was to develop or start developing some products hasn't got there yet but the plan of 2024 is definitely to do that I know that my product is a one-time purchase so if I want to keep customers coming back and happy I need to add new products so that's definitely like on my list to do um I want to expand my retailers I want to expand internationally that's probably not in the next 12 months but it's on the cards I think this product has so much potential for everyone not just in Australia but yeah, yeah and I really want to focus on creating a really strong community I love what you're doing with female thank founder you well. thanks yeah we can definitely sidebar about that I have lots of thoughts for you guys in terms of like why you know you wanted to launch this new product it didn't happen this year was that like a resourcing thing was that just like okay no cash has to go elsewhere because yeah. I think that we you know I'm I'm looking now at setting my goals for 2024 and I'm just having, trying to be really ruthless about like, no, get that off the list that can go to the following year and having this like yeah. much more longer term view. I think in the beginning, mm. you're kind of like, let's do everything all at once everything. and like yeah. just get some that traction. But then you have to really prioritize. And like, yeah, I saw a quote. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, I was about to say I read a quote, but like I definitely saw it on TikTok. Yeah. And it was something like, <laughs> you know, anytime Apple launches something, they could make millions and millions and millions of dollars but they don't launch everything. They still only yeah. do a few launches because you still have to choose like the priority totally. of what you're doing. So even if you're in a business that's working, like you could launch anything or do anything and you would make money from it, but you you still yeah. need to prioritize about like what's more important for the long-term vision. So with all of that in mind, like how do you, how do you think about what your priority is going to be for the following year? Yeah. So it's a good question. And I was the same when I first launched, I was like, all right, in six months time, we're going to launch this and then we're going to launch this. And like, just want to like do everything so quickly, but yeah, the, the biggest hurdle probably is cash. So I haven't had the cash to invest in new products. I'm running low on my current products and then they're my hero products. So I definitely need to be able to replace them before mm-hmm. I can add products to the range because I know anything I add next will just be a, a complimentary product. It's not going to be I've got my hero product. It's working really well. I want to keep producing that. But in order to keep producing that, I need cash. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see the business as like a long-term thing as well, as opposed to just trying to rush. And it's definitely a learning curve for me. I'm someone that likes to like do everything straight away. So yeah, practicing patience. And also you need, I want to build that customer and community base before I'm just launching new products because you want mm-hmm. to have them ready to purchase when you have those products and you want to get them excited and bring them along on the journey. And I think just creating products for the sake of products is never how I've wanted to run the business. Yeah, I think in the early days, it's it's a sprint to get traction and to like yep. figure out, okay, is this working? Is this not working? And then once you've got that traction and that validation, then you've got to flip your mindset to be like, okay, this is a marathon. I need to like yep. preserve my own energy, but also like mm-hmm. and cash and also yep. think about like, these are customers that are going to be with me for 10 years and recommending yep. me to their friends. Like let's, it, you just change the mindset a lot. I think totally. once you've got that initial traction. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about your team really quickly. You mentioned a few folks, you mentioned an accountant advisor, like who else is in your ecosystem helping you build this? Yeah, that's sort of it. I've got the girl doing my ads, my accountant, my advisor, no one like working on the business with me every day, which I wish I had. You want that? You want a full-time hire soon? I just miss, I miss being around people. I, I am an introvert, but I am feeling like way too far in that direction. Like I need someone like with yeah. me, bounce <laughs> ideas off. I see like coworkers or like, you know, co-founders and I get so jealous. I think there's pros and cons, but yeah, definitely feeling like I miss that. So I would love to have someone managing my TikTok and running around with all the creative ideas. <laughs> I mean, nice. we've had, we have someone now who's just on a couple of days a week, but she comes with me when we record the podcast, when we're doing stuff for yeah. the events. Because I just found myself like actually creating the content about the things that we're doing is it's whole, I can't do the thing and create the content totally. about the thing. Like I need 100%. someone to come and create the content while I'm doing the yeah. thing. And that's just like really, I don't know, it's freed me up. It's been also just like so fun and like exciting yeah. to see it resonating and to see this finished creative product. Uh, so I, I do recommend it. It's also not like crazy yeah. expensive to get someone to do that. It's you can definitely really find, idea. you can find like part-time people just to join you, like, you know, a day a yeah. week and they're with you in person for part of the day. And then they're editing the other part, I don't know, just to like, feel like you've got that consistency and a little bit more of a team totally and when they're not as close to the brand they come in with new ideas and fresh eyes yes. and always... they're also like working with other brands as well so they're like coming in with this like just fresh mindset of this this is what the other people i'm doing with working with are doing in adjacent category that's such a good idea all right can look into that this has been so much fun. I just find what you've done so impressive in such a short amount of time. I've been following what you're doing and honestly didn't realize that you'd only been around for a year and still until we started like um, emailing about getting this set up because you've had a lot of traction and I've been seeing the brand everywhere. It's super distinctive. So honestly, just congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. For people who want to find Fold Up, where should they go? Yeah, so our website is foldup.com.au. You can follow us on Instagram or TikTok. It's foldup underscore underscore. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. We'll link it in the show notes. Double underscore, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. That was awesome. Nice to chat. Quick shout out to all of our business bestie subscribers. If you are loving this show and you are building a consumer, CPG or e-commerce business, or you're about to build one, this membership will give you access to the people, experiences and the tools that you really need to build your dream business. Head to femalefounderworld.com forward slash subscriber for more.